Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I am your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next 30 minutes, sure would like for you to stay with me. 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, a little bit of education, and no manipulation. That's right, no hidden agendas, because we don't manipulate people. Our job is simply to give you accurate information. Hopefully, that'll help you verify and identify God's plan for your life, and if you can do that, you have the right to orient and adjust to the plan. But on this show, we don't offer useless human speculation. We try to give accurate information from the Scripture, the Bible, short biblical principles, biblical concepts, it will help you understand how God's plan functions. And if you want to learn it and apply it into your life, you can have the most phenomenal life the world has ever seen. It's really up to you. And uh, no one can live it for you. You know, the Christian life is an amazing life. Most people that listen to this show are believers in Jesus Christ, but occasionally uh, there are those who listen that are not Christians, and I'm not here to try to convince you about anything. But I can tell you this, that Jesus Christ is the anointed Son of God, that when he went to the cross, he was taking our place, he was dying in our place. The Bible is clear about that, where it says, he that knew no sin was made sin for us, so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him, or by means of him. Anyone who becomes a Christian must do so, by faith alone, in Christ alone. You don't become a Christian because you join something. You don't become a Christian because you were baptized. You become a Christian when you put faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why Paul said the power of the gospel, the power of God is the gospel. It's the gospel. Romans 1.16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first, also to the Gentile. So the gospel is the good news, the good news that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The good news is that death could not hold him even though he was crucified. He was put to death, and that's clear in the Bible. But he walked out of the grave alive. That's clear as well. He's alive today. And he invites you and I to join him in eternity. But he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Unfortunately, organized religion tends to tell us different. Tends to tell us that if we act right, if we live right, if we do right, then maybe God will let us come to heaven. And it is not that. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God and not of works, lest anyone should brag about it. So one thing we can identify right off the bat is being saved, having eternal life, salvation, going to heaven. They all mean the same thing. They're not earned by something that we do. But there's another side of the coin from salvation, and that's called spirituality. 
spirituality, S-P-I-R-I-T-U-A-L-I-T-Y, spirituality. And that simply means this, that we're all mandated in the Bible to be spiritual, to be spiritual. Where? In Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. That is not a request, that's a mandate from God. And when we are filled with the Spirit, then we're spiritual. When we're not filled with the Spirit, the Bible says we're carnal. So that's the difference between the two. Now let's go into the Bible and look at something. I'm reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also give life to your mortal bodies by means of his Spirit that dwelleth in you. If you're a Christian, God the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And Paul writes in Ephesians 1.13, you are sealed until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit puts a seal on you, much like a woman would can something, which she's canning and put in the old days. They used to put paraffin wax over it. Maybe like making homemade jelly and put paraffin wax on top, and, and it would seal the jelly until you broke the wax. Today, when they can, they use a little different process and use a way to create a vacuum. Anyhow, the goods are sealed in the jar until the seal is broken. You are sealed by means of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, this verse goes on to say in Romans 8, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So we have two things inside of us. We have the flesh and we have the Holy Spirit. Now, the flesh is a problem manufacturing machine. You got it from Adam. The Bible says, for by one man sin came into the world, and death by sin, and now death has passed on all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You cannot go to heaven in the works of the flesh. The Bible's clear about that. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. We have a flesh, and that flesh is contaminated. That flesh has an old sin nature within it. No one had to teach you how to steal. No one had to teach you how to lie. You inherently knew how to do those things. But now the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit also has come to live inside of you. And the question is now whether you're going to live after the flesh or whether you're going to let the Holy Spirit control your life. In Romans 8.13, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Holy Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So this is a pretty simple statement. As a Christian, you can live one or two ways. You can follow the impulses of the flesh and get yourself under divine discipline, as in Hebrews chapter 12, those that God loves, he chastens, and he scourges with a whip. And sometimes the Bible says that there is something called the sin unto death. That's when God has to take a believer home who's totally incorrigible and cannot respond to his discipline. 
Proverbs 15.10 is clear about that. He that hates the reproof of God shall die. Sometimes God has to take us to the woodshed to straighten us out because we do stupid things and divine discipline is applied. But there is a point in a person's life when divine discipline doesn't work anymore. And that point is when God says, I'm just going to bring you home early. Some people say, well, he's not a Christian anymore. Look what he's doing. He's not acting like a Christian. Well, how does a Christian act, in your opinion? Is he like David, where he fornicated with another man's wife and committed murder to cover it up? Is that how a Christian acts? Is it like Moses, who murdered an Egyptian and fled to the backside of the Midian Desert? and lived in fear for 40 years until God called him to go back? Is that what a Christian, how he lives? Is it like Peter who denied the Lord three times in the garden when he had a chance to admit publicly that he, in fact, was a follower of Christ? See, sometimes we get the wrong idea about how a Christian lives. We are all sinful. We all have a flesh. We all have a sin nature. And the bottom line is this, either we grow up spiritually and glorify God, or we live under a life of discipline until eventually, eventually, we are called home, we're brought home. You know, some people could grow spiritually and be phenomenal believers, can be superheroes for God. You know, Superman, that's kind of a neat movie, but you can be a a Superman for God, you can be a spiritually mature believer and some people never do that they just keep rocking along they grow a little bit then they go back down then they grow a little bit and they go back down that means they get distracted they get discouraged they get defeated and every time they go down discipline comes into their life and they recover temporarily and for a few weeks they're back on the right road and then they go back down again What's pitiful is to see someone live their whole life like this and to know, to realize, to understand that they are out of the will of God. Now, the person that we talked about three forms of discipline, warning discipline is number one, those whom God loves, he chastens. Number two, intense discipline, and he scourges with a whip. I'm reading from Hebrews 12 now. And then eventually we have the dying discipline, Proverbs 15.10 and Hebrews 12. So what are we talking about here? We're not talking about you losing your salvation. We're talking about God calling you home because he can't use you. You won't respond to the discipline. And that happens all the time. So if you want to live by the flesh, you die. You want to live by the Spirit, then you live. And the Bible says, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God, and you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. That's right, you've been adopted into the family of God. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, in fact, the children of God, and if we are children of God, we're heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Hmm. Here you are. You're a believer. You're a member of the royal family of God, and you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, let's assume you live your life 
and you don't ever learn the Word of God, and you never learn the procedure to follow, here's what's going to take place. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 16, and here's what it says. For no other foundation can a man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, we're using an analogy of building a house here. The foundation is the concrete foundation. You can see a house burned down, but the foundation will still be there. It is not going to burn down. Maybe the wood's gone. Maybe the walls are gone. The roof is gone. Concrete foundation still there. Your foundation is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, if you've received Christ as your Savior, that's your foundation. But now I want to talk to you about substitute spirituality. Substitute spirituality. No substitute salvation is you trying to work your way to heaven. Substitute spirituality is you trying to impress God with how good you are. Are you trying to impress God the way you act or talk or walk or something like that? You see it every day, and so do I. So, verse 12, if any man build upon the foundation, that's his salvation, that's faith alone and Christ alone. If any man build upon the foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Now we have two categories here. Wood, hay, and stubble, those things will burn up. Gold, silver, precious stones, those things will not burn up. So now it says, every man's work shall be made manifest, the day will declare it, it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall test every man's work of what sort it is. This is not your sin. God is not going to run a movie projector in heaven and show everybody all your sins. Your sins were paid for. Christ died for your sins. This is the evaluation of your production. Did you do what you did in the energy of the flesh, or did you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit? So here's what's going on. As a Christian, you must follow protocol. And when the Bible says walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the energy of the flesh, then it's referring you to be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. You have a sinful nature. I have a sinful nature. And the sinful nature is capable of doing good things. Lost people can give money. Lost people can be tenderhearted. Lost people can be charitable. And so can Christians out of fellowship. So let's assume that you're a Christian, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and, and you're teaching Sunday school. Or let's assume you're going to tithe this morning and give your tithe to your church. Or let's assume the preacher's going to call you up there to pray. It's possible you could do all these right things in the wrong way. The wrong way is to do them in the energy of the flesh. Because a Christian out of fellowship with God can tithe. A Christian out of fellowship with God can pray in public. A Christian out of fellowship with God can teach Sunday school. Yes. What do you mean out of fellowship with God? 
I mean unconfessed sin in his life. The Bible warns us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible warns us not to quench the Holy Spirit. When I sin, I quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. And remember, sin can be what I think as well as what I do. And so when I sin, whether it's mentally or physically, or even the third category with my tongue, something I say, then I break fellowship with God. Now let's assume, I'll give you a scenario. Here it is Sunday morning, and if it's like your house, around my house, Sunday mornings can get crazy. So Sunday morning, you're trying to get in the bathroom, and you can't get in the bathroom, and so-and-so is yelling at so-and-so, and mama's saying, let's go, we got to get ready for church, let's go, let's go, let's go, hurry, 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 and nothing's working right. People are screaming at each other and yelling at each other, and finally get in the car and you're mad at each other. Mama's trying to put on her lipstick and her makeup and fix herself in the car. Dad didn't even get to finish shaving. He didn't get to write the check out that he wanted to give to the church, and the kids are fussing in the back seat. And on the way down, some idiot cuts you off and almost crams you with his own car, and you get mad about that. And give him a good piece of your mind. So that by the time you get to church, you're way out of fellowship with God. You're a Christian. You're going to church, right thing. Yes, it is. Wrong way. You're out of fellowship with God. So now you go in, and you go to the worship service, and you go to Sunday school, and you go to whatever you want to do. You did all the right things, but you did them in the wrong way. You did them all in the energy of the flesh because you did not stop and confess your sin to God. Problem-solving device number one, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all of our wrongdoing. You did not rebound. You did not deal with the sin. So even though you're in the right place, doing the right thing, it's all produced from the energy of the flesh. And what's funny about it is you think God's going to reward you for it. No. This is production of wood, hay, and stubble. These are the things that will be burned up. All the good things you did for God in the energy of the flesh, which means while you were out of fellowship, they were not produced by the Holy Spirit. They were produced by the flesh, and they did not glorify God. Now let's read on. If any man's work abide which he hath built upon, He'll receive a reward. So let's assume you go into church, and you before you get in there, you say to yourself, Father, I know I lost my temper at that driver back there, and I sinned. I shouldn't have said that. And I know I've been mad at my wife this morning for making me late, and, and, I, and I've sinned about my attitude. And you confess your sin to God privately. Now when you go into church, Now you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you're not controlled by the flesh. Nobody can see it. Nobody knows what's going on except God. But now it's rewardable. Now it's energy done in the power of the Holy Spirit. See the difference? So now when you give your money, it's rewardable. Because it was done from the filling of the Holy Spirit not why the Holy Spirit was quenched and grieved and doing it from the energy of your flesh. 
If any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as by fire. What does it mean if your works burn? Well, all those times you went to church, all those times you read the Bible, all those times you did whatever you did, if it was done in the energy of the flesh, which means if you did it with unconfessed sin in your life, it's going to be burned up. It did not glorify God. It was not produced by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was produced in the energy of the flesh. And that is wood, hay, and stubble. You will suffer loss. You won't have those rewards. But notice it says, He himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. What does that mean? It means that you're going to be in heaven, minus rewards. The fire may try your works and burn them up, but you're going to be there. You know why? Because a fire cannot burn up a concrete foundation. won't happen. don't care how hot it gets. So you're going to be there. You will spend eternity with God forever in a resurrection body. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, but minus rewards. Substitute spirituality doesn't teach you this. Substitute spirituality tends to teach us today that there's some level of spirituality that we reach by praise and worship, and that if we reach this level of spirituality, that we're going to be, quote, on fire for God, that we're going to be holy, that we're going to live this holy life. Well, living a holy life means you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Living a holy life means that you're growing in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't have anything to do with how you talk. It doesn't have anything to do with how you act. It doesn't have anything to do with the persona of the, the way you parade around in front of people or they parade around in front of you. So substitute spirituality is taught today, taught in many churches. You have to get fired up. You have to go to this conference and that conference. And, oh, by the way, it costs you about 100 bucks to go to the conference. Got to buy a ticket. Got to buy a ticket to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, oh, but don't worry. It's just to cover the cost of the conference, right? I mean, we'll give you a T-shirt and we'll give you some conference material. No one, no one, no one is authorized to sell the Word of God. No one is authorized to make money off of the selling of the Word of God. It amazes me. And yet people do this. Substitute spirituality is not you getting pumped up for... It is. It is you getting pumped up for Jesus. It's someone trying to get you all fired up. And what it boils down to is emotionalism. You cannot live the Christian life based on emotionalism. Emotions are wonderful. God gave them to us, and they are there. But they're not how we make decisions. We make decisions based on what we think, not what we feel. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. How do you get the mind of Christ? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says the New Testament is the mind of Christ. As you learn the Word of God, you are learning about Jesus Christ. You are learning who he is, what he did, 
what he thought, how he acted. As you're filled with the Spirit, as you learn these things, you begin to replicate the life of Christ. People begin to see Christ in you. That's what it's about. And it's not about you getting all emotional, getting all fired up and pumped up for Jesus, and then two weeks later the emotional high is gone. It's about that consistent filling of the Holy Spirit by means of rebound, problem-solving device number one, allowing the Holy Spirit to control your life, the filling of the Holy Spirit, problem-solving device number two, using the faith rest drill, standing on the promises of God, problem-solving device number three, and I could go through all ten problem-solving devices for you, and you'd see it. This is not a substitute spirituality. It's the real deal. The substitute spirituality would be burned up. All that emotionalism, all that rah-rah stuff, it doesn't last. It's not going to work. And you're going to be producing stuff for God in the energy of the flesh because no one told you that you can't do that. And here we are trying to make it clear here today. This doctrine is gone. This doctrine is lost. It's the forgotten doctrine, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if it is mentioned, it's mentioned in a distorted way so that it's some kind of pseudo-super spirituality, some plateau of, plateau of super spirituality that you achieve that no one else has. The filling of the Holy Spirit is for every Christian. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, cannot be filled any more than you can be filled. He's indwelled, you're indwelled. He's filled, you're filled. He may be more mature than you, but spiritual maturity and spirituality are two different things. You see, if you're filled with the Spirit and I'm filled with the Spirit, then we're both spiritual. And you add to that the intake of the Word of God, then you have maturity. Then you grow in grace. Then you come to be the person God wants you to be and replicate the life of Christ so that others see Christ in you. So substitute spirituality is rampant in America today. It's the idea that you can get fired up for God, fired up for Jesus, and no one teaches you the mechanics of what true spirituality is as we've tried to do on this show for so many years. If you learn the mechanics of what true spirituality actually is, it has anything to do with how you feel. It has to do with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Then when you get to this judgment seat of Christ, you won't have to hang your head in shame when all of your good works are burned up and you don't have any crowns to lay at the feet of the Savior. Because that's what's going to happen. You're going to get there and have nothing left except the concrete foundation. That's why the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I hope you've listened. I hope you've learned. I hope I've made sense. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 
888-345-3504 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.